Hello and welcome to anybody and everybody that's listening. This is the N Lopez podcast. I'm Nathaniel Lopez, and with me today is Gabe Montier. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? Nothing much. How are you doing? Good. You had to go do some work stuff. Yeah, sweaty. Still sweaty. sweaty. Not dry to trying to dry off. Yeah, fucking what was this Arizona heat? God damn it. Well, I just want I want to talk to you about music and get to know you a little bit more about like, you know, like how music came into your life and, you know, what inspired you to make music and do all that you do. Yeah, I got tons of stories, so whatever. <laughs> so, you just shoot questions um, and I'll answer them. When uh when 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 did you really start to like fall in love with music and like it when did music start to become a very prominent part of your life? As a listener, um, I was exposed to growing up a lot of uh, different genres of Mexican music and funk. And I independently, I don't really don't know how, but I discovered uh, uh, classical music. So right. it was kind of random. I, I would go to sleep listening to classical. So I had a collection right of on. CDs fucking awesome. as like a grade schooler. And then uh, I didn't really think about uh, playing an instrument until I was about 14. That's when I discovered punk rock, probably. Yeah. Green Day um, really inspired me to pick up an instrument, which I wanted to play bass. That's it. Just you bass. I didn't want to sing. I didn't want to play guitar anything like that. And then uh, later on, I discovered Less Than Jake, uh rancid bands like that and that's yeah. when i really wanted to play in a band and i couldn't find anyone to sing or play guitar yeah where did you like you grew up in tucson right yeah what part of tucson uh northwest side oh. so Ina thornydale okay so i went to mountain view high school and so out of necessity i found some guys mm -hmm. but for some reason we couldn't find a guitar player that was into that because at that time the punkers and the skaters, like, this is when that Screamo stuff was new. Yeah, yeah. So, like, when those kids showed up, we were sophomores, and we are like, what the hell is that? It looked, it was like an alien to us. We hated it. Yeah, you, you know, were, but, weren't into the scene. Yeah, but at that time, we were kind of the odd guys out by mm. junior, senior year, because, you know, you know, you, these are kids with, like, Liberty Spikes and, like, foot yeah, tall Mohawks. Like OG punks. Yeah, those are the kids I used to hang out with. Mm. Anyway, we got a band together, and my senior year, we are playing a show, and I got approached by this this old man, Ron Newman, and uh, I didn't know who he was. Yeah. And so he invited me to his house. Well, his, his daughter, his daughter, I went to school with his daughter, mm. invited uh, us to play uh, some backyard thing. So all we're right. like, okay, fine. You know, we had horn players, so we knew all the band geeks. All right. And so we're like, yeah, this will be fun. And we show up, and anyway, he pulls us to the back at the party, and then we find out that he was a bass player in the Diamonds. So these are like OGs, like, you've heard their music in, in movies. All right. Okay. Uh, Anyway, he want, he kind of took us on as a project trying to get us signed. Oh, shit. So at 18, 19, I was being shown recording contracts. Right. And this dude had no business, like, investing time in us. He actually just passed away. His memorial was last weekend, so that's Dang. where I was. But um, him and his buddy Mel Rivers, who I'm going to have in my studio hopefully in fall. Mel was... Uh, 
bass singer in the Drifters. Okay. So uh, if you think of this magic moment, like mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, when... Yeah, when so uh, like, this magic... Like yeah, Sandlot. Yeah. Sandlot. That's yeah. exactly, you know, when Squints yeah. kisses Wendy Peppercorn, right. that he was part of that group. Oh, shit. So Sorry. he, unfortunately, recently... I worked with him and Ron uh-huh. for a couple of years. And um, then we lost contact. To the the re- The contracts didn't really pan out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything bad. It just, yeah. and I'm glad it happened that way. Um, now, but um, Mel was recently diagnosed with dementia, so we're trying to get oh, him shit. in. I ran into him yeah. at Ron's memorial. Okay, and so um, upon finding that out, you know, I offered my studio, uh-huh. and uh, so we're hopefully gonna get everything that's pending, anything you wanted to finish reorganized. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting in fall, Fuck, but whoa. these are that was like I was just kind of thrown in the deep end. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like with, the, like I said, these OGs. Like, so what, what was that band's name? That band was uh, Man Overboard. That Man. was my band. All right. And then um, that kind of morphed into what it is now, which is the Endless Pursuit, which it has been. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many members we've had. Like, you guys have just been switching through people. Yeah, and that's I think that's just part of it is keeping it going. Whoever wants. To be, um, it's not necessarily the way I look at it now. Is it's not necessarily how much time you've invested mm-hmm. in the project. It's yeah. more of how much of yourself you've invested. Yeah. Because right now it's taken years to get here, and I feel like this is overall the chemistry mm-hmm. and uh, the people involved. It feels like how it's it's how it's it was like. Meant all to building be. up to it this. was yeah it was all coming towards this so I can't really ask for a better group of guys hell yeah you know that's how you, it's like that's cool that you decided to stay with it and just kind of keep it going instead of just being like no nah, I'm gonna just make a new band because all these guys left yeah it's kind of a weird thing I think people get that from maybe reading too many like bios yeah. of famous bands or watching movies and it's like this guy like 12 different bands and it's just i think that's something i picked up from ron and mel because they would cycle people out of their projects but they just keep it the same project yeah. title yeah mm-hmm. and um so that's that's kind of really how i got started uh in between then and now i've just like so many random things i yeah. played with most of the bands I grew up listening to, even Billy Joe Armstrong's son, like he Damn. ended up playing a festival we played at. Shit, that's fucking awesome. And um, I played with Lesson Jake, uh, Misfits, uh, one of the Ramones. Dang. AWOL Nation. I've played with, even actually at that same festival as a KFMA 2016, uh, Disturbed. And it was yeah. funny because we had made fun of a Disturbed song, we were opening for Real Big Fish. We played yeah. with them a ton, one of my favorite bands. Mm. We've even discussed tours with them. Fuck. And uh, we we got into something. We were making fun of it, my sax player uh-huh. and I, thinking, you know, that's not a band that we'd ever think of opening for. And then a month later, we're laughing. We're on this huge stage. There's like 7,000 mm. people in the crowd. And guess who's headlining the show? Fuck Disturbed. So, like, the most random stuff like that has that happened. Is, that's interesting. You guys... Uh, did you guys play like Battle of the Bands for the? KFMA? Yeah, we got invited to play that, and that's another funny story. That's why I'm saying like you just keep throwing whatever out there, and I probably have some random weird story. And that our our at that time, I we had gone through a huge shift. Mm-hmm. So we had a group of guys where we had built the studio with, played a bunch of shows with, because my studio's in my backyard. It's yeah. a modified one car garage. So when I okay. bought the house, it didn't even have a roof on it. So we literally built our studio purpose-built for music, 
from the ground up. Fucking awesome. So we did a lot with that group of guys. It didn't end up well. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the year before KFMA, and I had the studio. It's like, well, what are we going to do? We only recorded one album there. Yeah. And I don't want to go. Want it to go to waste. And I, I hit up Kenny Padilla, mm-hmm. who is our drummer now. Really cool dude. And uh, I contacted him knowing that he was a good drummer. Mm-hmm. I said, come in. We didn't really know each other at the time. We knew of each other through yeah. playing in the scene. And uh, so he came in. I said, hey, this is just going to be a recording project. I'm kind of burned out from, you know, ABC, XYZ. Yeah. And uh, that's, I just don't want the studio to go to waste. Okay, yeah. And he was in um, a couple other bands at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I said, there's no pressure. I know that's priority. One thing led to another. So then we get a call from Real Big Fish. Hey, do you want to play a show? So here we are running around getting merch. And we sold a lot of merch that night. Uh, we had a blast, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then, the, like I said, a month later, we get a call. Hey, do you... And Kenny calls me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going into work, and he's like, hey, we're going to be on the radio right now. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, KFMA is going to announce whatever and i yeah. said but none of us did you submit something he says no i didn't our basis at the time was in thailand so he didn't okay and we're like well what okay so then they announce it i hear it on the radio and instead of being excited we're kind of like well what the hell what like, are we gonna who do got our music yeah so we still to this day don't know that night he was playing in in uh, one of his other projects. They're opening for Dead, the Dead Kennedys. Okay. So we're sitting there backstage because I was shooting photos for him or something, mm-hmm. and uh, we're kind of, we're just like racking our brain. What the hell are we gonna do? We don't even have a bassist. Yeah. But then we can't drop this opportunity. Obviously, someone put it in there for a good reason. Yeah. And uh, his bassist at the time, um, we we kind of like okay, we don't have a bassist. Who who can get us through this gap between when? Our regular bassist, you know, he was going to be gone for weeks yeah. in Thailand. Yeah. And he was going to be coming back maybe a day or two before actual KFMA Day date. So we didn't even think he was going to be there. So yeah. we hit up Andres Batista. Oh, Andres. Yes. And he got us through everything. Um, he ended up playing with us for a while after that. And we got through the battle one, maybe one practice. Um our horn players held it together, and then, okay, now we're playing KFMA Day. And so Andres, being the cool dude that he was, we gave him the option, do you want to play? Even our base, you know, our main bassist, Jordan, yeah. at the time, the guy coming back from Thailand, he says, you give him the show if he wants to play. Andres didn't want to play it. Okay. So here we are. Jordan comes back. He hadn't played with us in weeks. He comes back from Thailand a day before KFMA Day. We practiced maybe an hour, and then we play this huge show, and it went really well i could it's yeah it's one of my probably one of the best memories i have as a musician just playing out yeah fuck uh how many people do you have in the band how many members are there currently we have six six people that's a lot of people in the fucking band yeah at one point i think we had up to nine jesus christ that's so many people so we had like four horn players where do you get where did we just practice in your studio or what yeah yeah, is it fairly base. big? It's it's pretty big. It's pretty comfortable. Big enough for nine people and some drums. Yeah, if we needed to. Right now, it's comfortable at six. I don't yeah. want any more than that. But so, it's just at one point in the past, I don't know what we were thinking. Did it you just, just have more horns or what? Yeah, it was crazy. There was a second guitarist and four horns. So what is it now? Just drums, guitar, bass, and then there's a trumpet, 
sax and trombone. Trumpet, sax, and trombone. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I remember I I remember I watched you guys at the Flycatcher, and I think you guys played the Office theme song. Yeah. I was like, dude, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> it's like, you never see horn players anymore. It adds a different... Um, it just adds an energy that I personally believe you can't really... No matter if you buy the biggest amp or you have the best DJ equipment, you yeah. can't really match that energy that a horn yeah, section brings. Super upbeat. I love it. Mm-hmm. Fucking... And it attracts people. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because they're just like, what? What the fuck was that noise? Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I don't... Well, the bands I play with, you know, I wasn't super... I just wasn't super into, like, what, ska punk? Is mm-hmm. that what you'd say? You what, Is that what you would classify yourselves as, or...? Yeah, I... I I think that's just as a broad term. At yeah. one point, uh, we released the first album in in Europe on this little distribution label, mm-hmm. and we're getting a lot of press from over there. Actually, the first good press we ever got was from Europe. It wasn't oh, even shit. from here. And uh, we started calling it. Well, it was funny. My my guitarist at the time, he was the prime. Uh, we were both the primary writers uh, back when we released that first album. Okay. And we're sitting there, and we're setting up our gear, and he says, I don't even know what to tell people what we play. Just tell them to come out. And we're just kind of like going back and forth talking about that. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of a clusterfuck of all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, why don't we just call it Cluster Punk? So that kind of stuck okay. through where, you know, that's what they were writing up in Europe, uh-huh. you know, Cluster Punk. Because it was. It's like we right now we're currently doing a project that is um, – written around this song Gunslinger, which got us a lot of notice. That yeah. was the first song played in Europe. It's what got us KFMA Day. And so I always had this vision of turning it into a song uh, song form of uh, a spaghetti western. Yeah. And so there was a beginning and an end Gunslingers in the middle. Mm. And finally, years later, we're coming to the end of that project. We got, you know, we found the right group. We got yeah. into it this year. Yeah, and so it's awesome. like stuff like that where we, you know, in previous projects, we've had mandolin as a lead instrument on songs with the horns. And so that's kind of where that cluster punk thing came from. That's cool. I dig that. But the easiest thing is just, yeah, we're in a ska punk band. And, and you then, were, you guys record all your music at your, mm-hmm. at your place. That's cool. Yeah, it's all DIY. What, um, so what made you like want to build a studio and stuff? Well, I had spent hundreds of hours at the studio here, Loveland, mm. and um, Nathan Sabatino ran it, and he actually ended up later on going to work on tour with uh, Coldplay and bands like that. Oh, shit. He was a really cool dude, and he had built his studio in the backyard, mm. and he would add on to it, add on to it. And um, over the years, you know, we just got to know each other, so I'd ask him questions. He'd always be willing to answer. I kind of paid attention. Mm. It just piqued my curiosity. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I had this building in my backyard and we got into it and we spent four months constructing the studio and then you know i took everything i I had learned i did my own independent study and we came out with that first album which is very flawed but there's a lot of heart in it you know it was like it went from building a studio right into recording it was exhausting so it was like a solid 14 months damn I bet that cost a good, a, a pretty penny. Yeah, we did all the work myself. Uh, it was me, my dad, some of the guys in the band, and my grandfather. Shit. And um, 
It was worth it, though. You know, that's yeah, that's that sounds worth it. At the time, we're thinking, well, this is how much we've spent in the past, and that even at that time, Nathan was giving us a good deal. Yeah, said, well, why don't we just put the money that we would have put into a full album into the studio, and we go. have that forever. Exactly. Fucking. What was I gonna say? How long have you had your studio now? I think we finished the structure in 2012. 2012? So seven years, and uh, we've been adding on. We added a proper vocal booth, I want to say, three years ago. Shit. That's awesome. But the act- you know, the main structure has been done for about seven years. And, and it's coming along really good? Yeah. It's, Did you say it's complete now? Yeah. What we do have you, a set a, a drum set that doesn't leave. We have amps that don't leave. We have okay, everything so is like purpose like for this yeah. place. What, so, do you, what do you call it? Um, we I had toyed with the idea of making it public, uh-huh. and we ended up calling it Cluster Punk Studios. Yeah. But uh, but now it's private. For the most part, it's kind of like a friend of a friend thing. Yeah, so I know I know this guy. He might be able to get you in. That kind of thing, yeah, because. I don't know. Musicians are sketchy, man. Yeah, some of them can. I be. just would prefer them not coming over to my house. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yeah, uh, you just got to be in my backyard. But yeah, I, I get that if it's like, because you know, it's like it's in a neighborhood. You don't want people to just come and fucking be like, hey, I know this guy's got a bunch of stuff over in his backyard. Yeah, yeah, fuck that. Or you put in the hundred hours and then they don't pay. They, you know that. And I know Nathan. I mean, he was working with some guys who were like. Arizona Legends or whatever, uh-huh. and uh, you know they'd show up and then they disappear, go on a bender, and then they'd never pay them. Yeah, so I would. I've never had that. Not in, like, I've never had that ability to be like you front us these songs. Yeah, yeah, we always paid out right. But fucking man, what I got? And now you do. Now you have pomade. Now you, you have a pomade company. Yeah, that's kind of a big science project, though. Yeah, so it's in the... It's in my hair right now, but that came out of a uh, place of stress. I guess it's just kind of like goes along with I needed to be able to create something. Yeah. But something away from the band, because with the band, you need, you know, you rely on each other. You need an X amount of people. So mm-hmm. I wanted something I could do on my own. And so I've always hung out with... Uh, you know, the old school barber types and yeah. the greasers and all that. And even, you know, like I told you, Ron and Mel, they're from mm. that era. It's something I've always been into. Yeah, like 50s style. Yeah, yeah, anything retro. And so I started uh, researching that. And one day I just ordered the stuff and I tried two or three batches. And then I ended up with something that I really liked. And uh, I took it to my buddy's barber shop and had the greasers kind of try it out. And I'm like, well, you know, we'll see if I'm right about this or not. Yeah. I had worn it on stage, on a roller coaster at that point. It was like two or three months before I really yeah. gave it to anybody. And they all, they're all really excited about it. Right now it's in my buddy's shop. I have an Etsy shop, but it's really just kind of a, like I said, it's like a big science project. So yeah, I'm kind of seeing like, what's, what it's going to do. How do you even make it? That stuff is oil based so it's um what i put in is beeswax petroleum microcrystalline wax uh fragrance oil 
What else do I put in there? I'm trying to think. Those are the main ingredients. Yeah. And uh, and then you just emulsify it down, which means you you just cook it at a certain temperature, and then you pour it and you let it sit, and then it's done. Oh. That. How did like what? How did you even come across the idea of wanting to to do that? One of my buddies who had owned a shop, a barber shop, he came out with one, but it was water based, and he had hired a chemist to create this yeah. product. And he had been pretty successful marketing it. And um, I wasn't a fan of the water base. It's good. It was a good product. His product's yeah. good, but I'm so active. And then being on stage, yeah, it just falls apart. It's in your eye. You're squinting, mm-hmm. you know, while you're trying to play or work or whatever you're doing actively. And I was thinking, well, you know, this was years after this. You know, yeah. that's when I started really paying attention to all that stuff. Um. So, well, I'm going to try to make an oil base because mm-hmm. I prefer that, something that can hang yeah. with my lifestyle. And and uh, now we're here. Yeah. So, it's what, it's Swank and Jive? Yeah. You can find it, you can follow you guys on Facebook. Right. Instagram's more active yeah. and then Etsy. Etsy. Swank and Jive Palmade. Swank and Jive Palmade. That's cool. And you're like super into like the dapperness. Oh, yeah. The dapper lifestyle. Oh, yeah. What, what what inspired you to get like into that or what I'm just I I'm just old school. I'm an old school dude. Like I like the aesthetic and Did you grow up around like a lot of old school stuff. Um not necessarily. Yeah. I just kind of discovered it. I think that goes back to, you know, that when I was telling you about I was really into, you know, as a kid I discovered classical and oh, that was okay. a big thing. Well, I was also into like a lot of like uh 50s music too. Mm-hmm. That's in the, like as an individual, me yeah. on my own, that's what I discovered. Through watching movies or whatever okay. as a kid. Was there any movie that really stuck out to you that... As far as that, probably... Yeah. I mean, Sandlot's huge. Sandlot is a fucking... I mean, that's movie. everything right there. I and, can see that. And then the old... Uh, I'm a huge Disney nerd, and mm-hmm. I go to the Dapper Days often You know, at Disneyland. Yeah, I saw that on your Instagram. It's a really cool event. Even if you're not really into that kind of stuff, it's worth checking out Everybody's at least once. Everybody's just all dressed up all fucking nice. See, that's what's, that's what's cool about it. It's like... Man, because people don't, people don't dress like that anymore unless, like, they're going to court or it's a wedding or something. Funeral. Exactly. That's real. It's just something that I'm into. That's cool, dude. I, I wish I had a style that I could be into. <laughs> I'm just, like, I'm into a lot of, I'm into, like, a lot of styles, but I feel like I'm too scared to just try it, so I'm always just, like, a t-shirt and a... You just got to do it, man. A, yeah. A couple of years, what was it, a year ago, I'm, I was like fall dapper day and I'm in like a legit 50s Hugh Hefner style like smoking jacket. Yeah. I'm walking around the entire time just, Did you feel it weird? just felt right. Oh, it felt right? I'm just sitting there back of the car, everyone just like, hey, what's up? How's it going? It's like, what the fuck is this guy so <laughs> dressed up? <laughs> yeah, I like, see, that's like where I get my, my fucking, it's just my fear builds up. It's like anxiety. I don't want people staring at me. <laughs> do people stare at you like when you're super dressed up in a place where people are just like well at that I mean you you get like the good part of the population that mm. like that particular day yeah. at the park it was dapper day so, so people get it but then there are people who are just casually going or maybe it's their annual family trip they yeah. don't know what's going on but they it's never anything negative I mean it got to the point where they were stopping me and the group of people I was with to take pictures, the people who I mean, didn't like, know. why would you get offended? Like, these people are wearing nice clothes and yeah. their hair looks good. I don't like it. <laughs> what has Disneyland become? 
See, I, that's cool, dude. I I dig that, and it makes sense because you know, fifties. I like I'm into that kind of stuff, but I don't know. I just don't. I'm scared to dress like it. <laughs> I'm just, I still dress like I'm a kid wearing pants and just <laughs> shirts with stuff on them. I'm never wearing button ups. No, I wear button ups sometimes. Yes, teach their own. It's not. Yeah, exactly. It's not a bad thing. It's like, no. But that's cool though. Like. I dig the I dig the fanciness and just the it looks fly. I mean, I've all, I'm already used to feeling like an outcast, especially like here in Tucson. So why not do it? Did you when you grew up? Did you kind of feel like uh, you were outcasted for liking more rock and roll oriented music? You know, it was interesting because I I've never been able to completely relate to just like what you would consider like the normal kids. Yeah. But I never felt like a complete outcast. I had a lot of friends. It was a very eclectic group. I feel you. But um, now, you know, you get, you hit a certain age and it's like, well, you know, I don't want kids. Like my norm is, you know, if I get a call from Real Big Fish, for example, and go on tour, that's my norm. Yeah. I'd make it happen. Hell yeah. And it's funny too, because I have my house, so I'm getting to the end of the renovations and and I did that kind of on my terms. It was a unique opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I'm closer to the having the white picket fence life than most people who want it. Yeah. But that's not really what I'm about. It's more about I have the house as a home base and it's freedom. So I can go do these things exactly. if they come up. And um, I guess in that sense, I'm kind of fringe. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, I've been told I'm like, you know, my sister lives with me. She says I'm pretty eccentric. Yeah. She says I'm the most complex, simple person that she's ever met. Really? Yeah. So it's just I don't know. It's just me. I just it's just what I do. I'm not. I don't question it. I'm just mm. you. Just you. Yeah. I feel you. Yeah. I don't know. I I didn't grow up in Tucson, so I, you know, I grew up in like the super small town where it was kind of weird. You were looked at a little bit weird for liking rock. Just because everybody was into rap or country. Yeah. But, you know, fuck that. Well, it's funny because, you know, I'm not a... I wouldn't consider myself like a fanboy or a fan of most... Yeah. Of anything, really. Uh You know, even music, I love it, but it's a labor of love, you know? When we're playing the big shows, we're... Yeah, the magic's there when you're on stage, you have a good show, but leading up to it, it's still work, as you know. yeah. And it's not always fun, and I don't really care when NFL's on or anything. Even baseball's yeah. been a huge part of my life, but it's the game. I'm not. I don't stop my life to watch baseball. Exactly. And um, you know things like, like um, you know, if I if I hit a if I get a, a flight to Anaheim to go to Disneyland, it's not just the park, but everything around it, including the music scene. A lot of my favorite bands come from Orange County. You know, people go and gather at, say, a Dapper Day. It doesn't have to be at the park. Yeah. But just that scene is more me. Yeah. I would never want to live there. It's crazy. I wouldn't be, you know. The, yeah. Because then you just lose its touch. Well, not that. It's just, it. it's too, it's too expensive. You're enslaved. Oh, okay. But I feel more at home as far as the scene there than I do here. Okay. I went to the U of A. I hate the U of A. I will never wear anything with the U of A insignia. I'm not a fan. You know, everyone worships the U of A. Uh, That's true. People get face tattoos that never even went to college. Most of them, yeah. They're wearing U of A socks, right? You walk into a house, and they have, like, a massive fat head, whatever those things yeah. are, plastered on their wall, and they've never been. Exactly. Um, the country thunder thing. Like, I'm not into it. It's cool, 
But like the Tucson thing has never been your thing. I mean, it's funny because the greatest compliment I've ever received, and it happened recently, it happens regularly, uh, regardless of the size of show, whether it be yeah. big, whether it be small. When we play, I always have one or two people come up to me and ask us, you know, ask me where the band is from. Mm-hmm. They don't believe we're from here. So yeah, we're from Tucson. It's like, nah, you're not. Yeah, I've had people. I even I recently found out that a program director on a small radio station mm-hmm. wouldn't play us because he didn't believe that we were from here. Oh, and it was like a local thing. Yeah, and uh, that's crazy. And so one of the DJs, you know, who goes to our shows regularly, uh-huh. he's a fan. He had to convince them and pull it up on computer and everything else and Damn, show them. Crazy. And I didn't find that out till we, you know, we were recently doing an interview there and he told us that and i said that's the biggest compliment because i don't want people to think we're from here yeah well you know people tucson's a weird place because some people do like a lot of i hear it referenced by a lot more famous people sometimes and i'm just like why the fuck it's like you why do you come to tucson it's like because we live here and it's and it's not to bash it there i mean some of the radio stations have been very supportive obviously there's talent here. Yeah. But I can't say that there's a healthy scene. Oh, there's definitely not. And that's where we've been lucky, where we can catch a big tour when they come through and play on that. But yeah. it's uh, it's a strange place. And what, and what are your your more elaborate thoughts on uh, the, the Tucson scene? Or at least the scene you're playing in, which would be like the punk-ish scene? Well, I think on a broader scale... I found, um, you know, through talking to to the different people I, I encounter, through one of the the bigger promoters, I found out, and we had felt it. Mm-hmm. We had felt the change. About two or three years ago, we went from what they consider a B market. So, for example, <clears throat> A market for bigger tours would be like L.A., Phoenix, New York, places yeah. like that. So these are these are like the first big stops. You yeah. know, you get. You know, it just makes business sense. We were considered a B market, which isn't bad. No. Um, you know, I grew up going to some pretty big shows. I've been able to play on some pretty big shows with my projects. But uh, we went from that B, we're now a C. And it's funny because people who've moved here from, like, say, Southern California or whatever I've run into, and yeah. we start talking music, they're asking, well, why don't any good shows come through? I said, well, I mean, people, it, there's just more money in Phoenix I mean, you go to a show up there, and there's a turnout. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, even me being from here, I'd probably skip Tucson, too. Yeah. And it's just people just don't... It's it's a supply and demand thing. And, you know, the the bookers are going to react to it, the, the guarantees that they can offer, and these bands are going to react to that. And it's just how it goes. I don't. I really don't know what it would take other than people just going to shows to change it. Yeah, that's... Uh... It's definitely what it needs, you know. I'm guilty of not going to shows too. <laughs> it's it's all it's a bad habit that I built whenever I lived in Samuel because it would be like, yeah, someone we got to find someone to drive us to Tucson to the show, and we're gonna spend at least twenty bucks that we don't have because we're high school kids. Yeah, but you know that's no excuse. I should definitely start going to more local shows. If you're listening to this, go to more local shows. <laughs> well, you're playing tonight, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> playing tonight. This isn't going to be out tonight, but hey, you should have been at that show that night on the 20th. <laughs> so uh, where have you guys been playing around recently? 
We got a show coming up August 9th in Bisbee at the Quarry. They're doing some, like, pirate-themed club crawl, which... All right, that fits you that, guys. That town, it, uh, it's pretty hopping. And that's a funny thing, too, because Bisbee will, you know, much smaller population, but when they uh, do that, people engage. Here, people try to do that, no one goes. Yeah, Bisbee's like I, Bisbee's like super artistic of a town, I and heard. and that's probably why they just got good community. Mm-hmm. That's what it, I think. That's what it falls down to. But the quarry, you know, I've I'm friends with someone on Facebook that I think she's a bartender there, mm-hmm. and um, she, you know, that's what I'm always seeing. And like this person snaps and stuff, and that place looks pretty cool. We played there once with the Toasters from New York, mm-hmm. and they're like. Old school ska legends. I've actually well, I watched the toasters. I watched them that time you guys played with them. At the that's right. Picture. That's right. Yeah. And um, it was Super Bowl Sunday. Mm. Oh shit! And we still, it was still a good crowd. Oh well, that's awesome. Which was we didn't know, and most of us we don't pay attention to Super Bowl. So there's six of us. Yeah. Maybe one or two guys, and then we didn't realize it was Super Bowl Sunday till like the week of. So, like, that's just, we're not paying attention yeah, to it. We're like, exactly. oh, great, let's see how this goes. And it was all right. I think had it been the day before, it would have been a better turnout, but it yeah. wasn't what I would call horrible. That's good. How's that? And it's just, what, like, fucking hour and a half drive? Yeah. Nah, that's not too bad. I mean, I visit, I visit anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. that night I had to hustle back because we were, a couple of us were carpooling with the gear. Okay. But, um, like, the 9th, for example, I already booked my room. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to chill there and relax. And... Hell, yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, Bisbee's a nice place to just go mm-hmm. kick it, and then it's got fucking walk around. There. Yeah, you park, and you're done. You just exactly. walk around the rest of the time. So many fucking stairs. Yeah. But, yeah, it's pretty cool. I've been there. I've Last time I was there was, like, 2013. Long ass time ago, we went to go play a show in Douglas, and we stopped there. Oh, okay, it was pretty cool. Smoked on top of that giant ass rock, uh, Castle Rock. Yeah, yeah, I think everybody has. We went up there, and we were just like, <laughs> "Damn, this is pretty cool." It was just like, <laughs> I, I was just sketched. I was like, "Are we supposed to be up here?" Because it's just like, "Are we?" I don't know. I don't fucking live here. Yeah, everybody goes up there. Yeah, I see people now, and they're posting. I'm like, okay, so now I could have less paranoia. Mm-hmm. I'm an adult now. I'm not as 17-year-old fucking kid. I'm surprised you don't hear of more people falling off that rock. Surprisingly, yeah. Because everyone goes up there to get wasted. That's crazy. I would never <laughs> I would never want to get wasted on... I know you're, you're even climbing up there sober. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, he's just like, ah, I don't know about this. You see everybody down there just walking. Some people look up at you like, hey, look at that guy. So if you're ever in Castle Rock, people just... Or in, in Bisbee, ask about Castle Rock. And then go up there. Smoke a fat bowl. There you go. But don't fall off. That's how you do Bisbee. Exactly. I, there's, there, I remember we were walking. And, so we had weed with us, and we like, were just like, oh, fuck, we're going to be near the border. We can't have this with us. So, or we were going to pass a checkpoint or something. So we ate all the weed we had, and then we ended up in Bisbee. And right when we got there, one of our friends just asked some dude. He's like, hey, you know where I could get some weed? And then he just looked at us. He's like, no. So we, and then we started walking, we walked up this like little alley, and the dude followed us, and that dude had weed. So we bought some weed off of this dude, and I, it was really shitty weed, but I remember walking, and at one point, there were just like some really tall weed bushes, they were just bushes of some sort, and they literally like crawled into them and smoked in there. <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck? At this point, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if you just, 
as long as you're not walking right in front of a cop, you could walk. You could probably just walk down the street, and it, no one would care. Yeah. Well, sometimes the more uh, obvious you are about it, the less obvious it is. Yeah. Because it's just like, well, no fucking smart person would walk down the street and smoke fucking weed. Because old Bisbee, that no one's gonna care. Yeah. They're all. They probably they do whatever. Themselves. That's that's nothing. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not like you're fucking shooting up heroin. Yeah. Just like standing there. It's like. Uh, Oh, is it not cool that I'm shooting up heroin on your driveway? It's like, no, not at all. That is one thing I like about Tucson is that I'm that close to Bisbee. Mm-hmm. And all those l- weird little desert towns, Tombstone. and yeah. I, I personally enjoy just driving out there. Is there any other places you like driving around? You like you like just cruising around Arizona? Flagstaff. Flagstaff's fucking awesome. I just, I mean, Amar were recently there, and I was like, I fucking love this place. Yeah, Flagstaff. I wish I... I'd like to visit more frequently, but yeah, I got to know it a little bit. I dated a girl there for a while. She was uh, attending NAU. My okay. family was here, so it was pretty cool because it was kind of like a vacation every time I'd get to visit her up there. Oh yeah. But uh, you know, Flagstaff, and and I enjoy that drive. Once you get through Phoenix, that's that's exactly what I was saying. Because Phoenix is just if you're going anywhere really, and you're fucking going through Phoenix, is just a drag. Unless there's a special event, or I'm. Really, Phoenix to me is just like the place I need to get through to get to somewhere. It's else. a means to an end. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. It's not like oh, I'm gonna go to Phoenix just to go. I, I oh, never I'm do that. I'm gonna spend the day in Phoenix. It's like why? So <laughs> like, oh well, they got like these stores. Be like yeah, but they got similar stores in Tucson. It's like what are you really going to Phoenix for? Yeah, I just don't want to be in Tucson. But now you're just going to a bigger Tucson. It's just like a giant skillet, really. Yeah. It sucks. Phoenix and the strip malls, I mean, it's creepy. It's like, reminds me of Edward Scissorhands, you know, when they show, yeah. like, Suburbia. The oh, houses yeah. are all the same. Everyone pulls out the same, you know, the, the driveway at the same time. That's what it reminds me of, because you're driving down, and it's just like, I was I just here? Cookie cutter. How, cookie how many cookie strip cutter. malls, and they're all the same. It's, I'm just, it's not, yeah. it's not my, my jam. But have you ever been downtown Phoenix at night? It's fucking... Oh, yeah. Ah, it's pretty much like anywhere downtown. I remember um, we went to a movie, uh, not to a movie, we went to a concert at the Comerica. Yep. And uh, we were driving back to our hotel. And I remember we were passing this corner and I was just looking out the window. And there's just some like older lady and she looked fucked up and she was like pulling up her dress as so she was like <laughs> taking a piss or a shit in the corner of the street. I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's any big city. Yeah. It's going to happen. I want to see it more. <laughs> not so much. Where I'm living, but... <laughs> Just where you visit to exactly. make things more... Uh, to spice up your trip. You're like, dang, remember that fucking person that was shitting in the sidewalk? And you don't forget, because you're just, you know, you're telling a story it's, right now. That shit's engraved in my brain. I will never forget that. That is... Actually, speaking of, of A-Market, I got... That was my first really big concert was downtown Phoenix, and it was the Pop Disaster Tour. Pop Disaster. So that was Green Day... Blink-182, and Jimmy Eat World had just broken through with their first hit. And that was that was an experience. That was before I really had uh, decided to pick up a guitar and really learn. Yeah. I was just into the music. All right. And that was that was cool. That was like 2002, so that was... Yeah, that was pre-Blink breakup. Yeah, that was their prime. They had already been rock stars. They were... I think it was Take Off Your Pants and Jacket yeah. around that era. So, and then Green Day. I mean, that was that was an experience. 
Where was that? Oh, where'd you, what, uh, what theater or place you watched that? That was at the arena. I forget what it was at that. What it was called at that time. Fucking arenas. It's big shows like that kind of suck. Just because she's like, fuck, I'm way back here. This blows. We had snuck onto the floor. Fucking lucky. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah, I remember um, when I was at the Comerica, I was like way up in the stands. I was like, this sucks. It's like, I fucking hate this. Watching ants play. Pretty much. And I was just like, I was hoping, I was like, please have some screens on the side and some cameras going. Yeah. There was none. We were pretty far back. And I mean, we were like seventh grade. Uh-huh. Something like that. I don't even know. We were young. We couldn't drive yet. And yeah. It was two of my buddies and I, and and then one of my buddies' dad. He he's the the chauffeur, and uh-huh. and so he took us. And there was this. I remember there were these huge, um, these huge guys guarding these security guards. Yeah, you know, keeping people from going onto the floor. Uh huh. And we we saw this rush of people, it was like an avalanche of kids, just like Trying coming at this guy. <laughs> and at a certain point, he just gave up. I mean, what are you going to do? He's just sitting yeah. there with his arms on. Everybody Pretty much the to... Area Fifty One memes. You're right, they it was like that. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were able to get through on that. But my uh, my friend's dad, he freaked out. He got pissed. So we're like going towards the stage, and he pulled us back up. Oh, dude, we were so bummed. Yeah, I, I would mean, have been fucking. Pissed this is our first huge concert. You know, yeah. like these bands, we were all about them, and. But we, we, I mean, we made it onto the floor, and then we got pulled back up, and... Damn, and, uh, that sucks. Yeah, I was like, uh, I remember a couple years later, I went to my first real punk show, I guess, yeah. on my own, and my buddy and I went, and uh, and I I think it was, we were maybe 14 at this time, we went to Scrappy's. Okay. And uh, this was when it was, uh, it was right behind the Rialto Theater. Uh-huh. And it was, you know, at that time you had bands like Fall Out Boy and... Um, all these upcomers. All these bands at that time, I mean, this was a small... This was like the CBGBs of Tucson at that mm. time. So these bands were just coming up. And then you would see these bands on this small stage. There'd be 200 kids in there. Yeah. And then a year later, it'd be on like MTV and... <sighs> blowing up. Blowing up. So I remember we went to go see uh, Voodoo Glow Skulls. They were in town. And we had a good time, and uh, I remember coming out of that show with the black eye, and then uh, we didn't have a ride, and oh, I didn't shit. know it, and my bud's like, yeah, my parents aren't coming, so what the hell are we going to do? And downtown Tucson, you're either going to a show or you're going to go pick up drugs at that time. Like, that's the type of downtown we had. Yeah. And so it's super sketchy. So we come out of the show, and we ran into some underclassmen. This guy with his girlfriend's like, oh, we recognize you guys from... You want to get a ride? And I was like, well, we have no choice, really. Yeah. So I'm hitching a ride with the black eye, going home. And I'm just like, well, when can we do this again? Like, mm-hmm. at that point, like, that's... And then you were in love with going yeah. to shows. Yeah. Fucking A. Did you watch... Uh, did you see Blink whenever they came back uh, in, like, 2009? I saw them... No, I didn't see that come back. I didn't catch them live. I've seen them twice since Skiba joined the band. But uh, but that's more to. It's just a fun show, and then to see yeah. Travis Barker play, it's fucking shredding. Yeah, it. I remember my so my first concert was actually a Blink One Eighty Two show, and it was it was cool because me and Efren had um, 
we got we got Super Nipple Blink One Eighty Two in two thousand five. So it was just like, oh, these guys are broken up. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, were just like, well, you know, if these guys ever get back together, we'll go see them. And sure enough, they got back together, and we saw them for our first concert. But I remember we like. It was like Pepper, Slightly Stupid, Fallout Boy, Amberlynn, and Asher Roth. It was just like one of those big. It was uh, it was like the Tempe Festival. Okay, yeah, Tempe Beach or whatever. Yeah, it's called. exactly. And so it was a pretty cool show. We got like soup. We were like front fucking like three rows, and that was like four bands before Blink. And it, we were wearing sweat. We had bought Blink One Eighty Two sweaters. It was like August. It was still hot. So we were just like, fuck this. We ended up going to the back. And then trying to watch Blink was tough because we were like short-ass kids. <laughs> it's like fucking standing, trying to fucking look over people and shit. But pff, it was a cool show. Those are the good memories, though. Yeah. Now shows are... I don't even know the last time I went to a show that I just didn't play it. I'm terrible. That's kind of how I'm... Lately? But I'm just... I've been so busy with so many other things, I just can't. Like, and I feel like a jerk because people are like, oh, have you heard this band and that band? They're all local bands. Like, I'm not to sound like a snob or anything. I just don't. Say like, I'm not. I'm not there. Like, I'm, I'm doing my own thing right now. Yeah. yeah, I mean, talk to me when there's a bigger tour. Like, that's like I said, we've been fortunate to where like the majority of our shows are with bigger bands. Yeah, that's and cool. it's just my world. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I'm like always trying to do something. That, you know, pushes me forward. That's what I try and do with my free time. And, I, yeah, like, you know, I don't want to try and sound like a snob either and be like, I don't, I'm not, I didn't go to that show the other day and I haven't heard of this band. Sorry. <laughs> I'm doing stuff. <laughs> so I check out my stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fucking. All right, man. Well, thank you for being on the show. Thanks, Thanks for having for coming me. coming in. Uh, it's good to learn a little bit more about yeah, you. Yeah, of course. Um, and what do you? So, what do you guys got coming? You guys got any shows coming up? The August ninth. August ninth is the only thing on the books. We've been in the studio a lot trying to finish that that spaghetti western punk rock opera thing. Is there? You have any like uh, idea when you might put that out, or when people should be waiting? I'm hoping August at some point. August. Yeah, maybe mid to late August. And people can find your music. All over. Spotify, All over. the typical Spotify, what else? Apple Music, if that still exists. Yeah. Um, um, all the, you know, wherever, just Ev- in general. Everywhere. everywhere. That's the Endless Pursuit. Check them out. And check out Swank and Drive Pomade. <laughs> yeah. I already plugged that, but I'll plug it again. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for being on here, man. All right, thank you for listening. If you were listening, if you weren't listening, well, you're not fucking hearing this. This is the N. Lopez Podcast. I'm Thang Lopez. If you want more information, follow us on Facebook at 85631Productions. That's 85SIX31 Productions. You can follow us on Instagram at 85SIX31. We're on YouTube as well. We're all over the place. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.